Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to season three. Everybody, welcome into episode 24 of season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. And I'm half of your host team, JT, along with Tom. Tom, how's it going? Hello, JT. It's going fabulous, bud. A long reason, time no talkie on the air. Oh, no, right? The, the reason I kind of hesitated there, there is an episode 23. It covered the Super Bowl and the high drama at Auburn, and some Bama news, and some miscellaneous, and you know what? You posted it. I forgot to promote it, so it's probably got like four downloads, uh, so sorry about that. I will get this one on the Twitter machine and Facebook, and we'll try I'm to sure do a better job. i is the only thing this podcast is lacking. Well, you know, and that, that's, <laughs> see, I'm over, I'm over logistics. You know, you're over production. <laughs> I'm over content, so and we all have, we have our little... We both have our little niches carved out, and I did not hold up to my end of the bargain. But, you know, we're going to do this episode. Alabama spring football has started, and we're going to do a little March Madness. It's, it's fun to do March Madness now because Bama's made it for two years in a row for the first time in forever. I don't know, David Hobbs, Mark Godfrey maybe? I don't remember who, who took us back-to-back, but it has been a while. It has been a while. I was just thinking, uh, so last year – Last year was the ISO tournament, so we're in this year. The previous year was the year that got cut short, right? Correct. What yes. was our record when we got cut short? Couldn't tell you. you. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either. I think we were doing pretty well, though, were we not? I possibly. Who knows, man? I, just, I think I we were doing pretty well, and I was, I was upset because it looked like we were going to get in. It could have been three in a row, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I don't, I don't remember, but Who it's. But we're, we're jumping the commentary, Tom. I know people hang on the edge of their seats for our commentary. And, and this commentary, I'm over the commentary. But, of course, as we talked off air, I'm going to open up and then you're going to close it out. So A little back and forth banter thing. Eh, probably so. It might, might work out that way. We'll <laughs> see. So I've got HBO Max and I was flipping around the other night. Actually, I had hooked it up at Misty's house. She got a TV for her bedroom. And I was showing her the ins and outs of, of HBO Max. And I don't know, I just searched for something. And, and a bunch of music stuff came up. And it was Woodstock 99. I'm like, cool. I didn't even remember they had a Woodstock 99. And I immediately told her, I'm like, hey, you know, Tom went to Woodstock 94. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't remember 99. Let's watch this. So we watched it. And I, spoiler alert, it ended in disaster. There's, that's why there's not been another Woodstock 99. And so we're, we're watching it, 
And what really set the people off, I believe, was uh, the commercialism of it. It's $180 a ticket to get in, and then water was $4 a bottle. It was on an abandoned military, I want to say Air Force, but it, regardless, it was what branch, it was a military base. So they had a, lo- a, a bunch of hangars. That's why I think it was the Air Force. They had a bunch of hangars there that were just sitting empty, which was perfect for staging areas for bands. And then they had a rave every night, which that was probably the biggest mistake they had is they had raves every night, uh, probably when around midnight when the last band would go off and they would rave till 5 a.m. And there was just no, time, no recovery time. And, you know, of course, it never rained, but there was mud there because someone busted a pipe. There, there was some, wa- some water sources and the lines were too long. So somebody just busted a pipe and it was right by the Porta John. And so people were flopping around in mud, or at least they thought they were flopping around in mud. Oh, my God. But here's, here's and I end up, I had, I, I talked to you last night, and I said, you know, we're, we'll cover this, because I, I want you to tell you, you got a great story from 94 that we'll get into shortly, but I want to finish up 99 right quick. And uh, as you told me, you actually went to 99, and you didn't go in, which was a very smart decision on your part, as it turned out. So... They, I, I was just amazed at the the bands that were there on Saturday, and then Sunday I finished it up last night. And Sunday, I, the Chili Peppers were hilarious. But anyway, so on Saturday, well, first off on Friday during daylight hours you had DMX, which rocked the crowd. But on Saturday you had Kid Rock. Now you got to think this is 1999. I think Bawa to Ba that album came out. I guess what Devil with the Calls. Mm-hmm. That came out in 98, I believe. So, man, Kid Rock is still, you know, now if there's a Lollapalooza or if there's a, a Woodstock, Kid Rock is either closing or next to last on one of the nights. There's no doubt. Kid Rock comes out like at 125 to play. And, <laughs> you know, he rocks the stage. And then the they had Alanis Morissette. And then after her, in order, they had Limp Biscuit, which at the time Limp Biscuit was the top, kind of new rap rock band out there and but you had Limp Biscuit, you had Rage Against the Machine and then you had Metallica closing it out like what a lineup that was so yeah, that's crazy Limp Biscuit comes out it's still daylight they're crowd surfing on on uh on uh I want to say cardboard on plywood and they they yeah you know, Fred Durst kind of got blamed for the the what happened and I totally disagree with that. You knew what you were getting with Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit when you hired them, you know. Mm-hmm. So Saturday night, it was just it was bad, and the, I mean, it really turned bad. Like there was some, some rapes and sexual assaults, which is just it was terrible that society. And that's what it was. That's essentially what happened. Is once you're in the gates, you didn't leave. So you were your own little community of three hundred fifty thousand people. And society broke down. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't enough water. And so it, I, I thought, okay, I quit watching it at that point. And, but it, it made it to Sunday. It made it to the closing act, act which was Megadeth. But before <laughs> Megadeth, you had the Chili Peppers come out. So the Chili Peppers, Flea, and uh, by the way, Flea plays the entire show naked. I'm talking nothing <laughs> on at all. Bass, guitar, <laughs> flopping everywhere if you catch my drift. <laughs> so that they had given out candles the big another big mistake on Woodstock organizers part they had given out candles a nonprofit 
to, you remember Columbine had just happened, the, the school shooting, and they were going to do a candlelight vigil on Sunday night for the victims of Columbine. Well, the savages had different ideas. They lit the East Stage on fire. Now, the, that yeah. wasn't the, they were on the, the Chili Peppers on the West Stage, so they lit the East Stage on fire. It got so bad, you could see it off in the distance. They had to stop the show. So the organizer comes out and says, hey, guys, look, the Chili Peppers, they're going to come back home. Well, you know, they, they're trying to not incite a riot. And he's like, the Chili Peppers come back home, but we've got to get the fire trucks in here, and we've got to get the fire put out. Then the Chili Peppers are going to come on, and we're going to finish the show. And I guess order kind of held at the West stage where the, the action was. So the Chili Peppers backstage, the mayor of Rome, New York, which is where it was held, he comes down, or he comes back there, and he talks to Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer of the Chili Peppers. He's like, hey, you, man, you need, you need to help us settle this crowd, this crowd down. So... Hey, Chili Peppers come back out for an encore, and do you know what song they play? <laughs> Let me have it. They play Fire by Jimi Hendrix. I mean, I thought that was hilarious, you know, which they had probably planned on playing Fire. Dude, have you ever seen them play Fire? I've, never, I've only seen them one time. I'm going to see them twice this summer. And I've never seen them play fire, but like that's kind of in their rotation. If they want to play it, they'll play it. And they, they played it in '94. Really? To kill, yeah. I mean, to close it out, I remember that they yeah. kill it. You know, and that's the thing. They had probably planned on playing that anyway, based on Jimi Hendrix's tie to 1969 Woodstock. But that mm-hmm. was definitely not the song the mayor of uh, Rome, New York, was looking for them to close <laughs> no, out with. I don't so, think so. So, without further ado, <laughs> we're we're deep into the commentary now. Let's hear your '94 story. Specifically, I think when you got the, the there's supposed to be no alcohol allowed. I don't know. You just take it away, Tom. Well, I try to make it concise. It's a, it's. I don't know if everybody else will find it as interesting as I did though. But uh, so so we so we roll into Woodstock, which is basically a town of <clears throat> just a few thousand people, and they they grossly grossly mismanaged this event. You know, it, 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 I don't know how long they put it together, but it was grossly mismanaged. So we, we come into the town, and basically they didn't want any parking next to where the venue was, okay? So they had all these satellite parking lots all around the town, like miles away, and they had buses to ship people into the venue and just running buses constantly to get people back and forth to parking lots, which are on the perimeter of town. So... You know, they pointed us to where we were going, and we pulled into the parking lot that we were supposed to be at, and it is just loaded with people, thousands upon thousands of people. And you look up there, and there's like five buses, <laughs> you know? And, and we're like, oh, my God, you know? And, and so <clears throat> there's we're sitting there, it's like, there's no way. We'll, we'll be here for eight hours waiting to get on a bus. It was crazy. So we get back out on the road, and we, now when I say we, I'm with my two two uncles, and uh, they know how to travel. And we never we never lack for a cold beverage, so we're <laughs> loaded down with beer, like loaded down. All right, and we're actually in I forget what we were driving, a minivan maybe. Has to be a van um, going to Woodstock. I think it was a van. So anyway. We find a local in town and start asking them, you know, hey, where's everything at? Where can we go? Blah, blah, blah. So it turns out 
that they had given passes to all the people that lived there and the only way you could get in and out of town with a vehicle was those passes well out comes the wallet brother (laughs) (laughs) so fast forward a few minutes later i don't know it was a couple hundred bucks or something we had bought a pass and now we're driving this van with Alabama plates with a pass on the dang tag right into the middle of town, which is kind of next to the venue. We're like, well, dang, we're close now. Let's load up on a bunch of beer. And, of course, we had read all the things, you know, the, the tickets, no outside food, no outside beverages, you know. But, I mean, we... We just said, we're we're going to try to see what we can do here. So we loaded ourselves up with, I don't know, I, you know, there were three of us, so we were going to be there for three days. We probably had, gosh, I know we had two huge coolers, so they were sl- slam full of beer. We didn't bring any food. We were just going to eat food there. But we, <laughs> Solid <laughs> but choices. So, because I, I know we had two full ones because we made a chain of three where the middle guy had a handle on each side, you know, and the other one. So, so we we were going to put them in the van and just walk back and forth to get them uh, and, and hoping we could get in and out of the venue. Well, when we get up there to where it comes in, the... Again, the management of this thing was terrible. It was not like the whole thing was gated off. It was like an opening 100 yards wide, but they had signs where they wanted you to go in next to the guy that was checking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we said, all right, here we go. We got tickets. We're just going to mosey right on in here and, and just see see what we can do with these coolers, you know, because we had actually walked up there to go in and then turned around and went and got the coolers. So we we found a strategic time and we started walking and we could hear the guy, hey, guys, guys, hey, hey. He had no help, though. And there's, you know, <laughs> there's hundreds and hundreds of people trying to get in this thing and he's trying to take tickets. And we heard him yell at us for, you know, 10 or 15 seconds. But after that, we were gone. We never looked back. Never even turned around to see what was happening. So we end up in there, okay? So we go find us a spot, which is, we didn't even have a tent. We brought sleeping bags. We were <laughs> we were sleeping under the stars with our coolers. But we get there, and probably no more than, I don't know, uh, four, five hours in, the gates were just hearing rumors that the gates are being overrun with people and uh they're no longer checking tickets and people are just mass rushing in there and then people realize that if they're no longer checking and there's no security we can just bring anything in so people started going oh man let's go get because nobody brought beer because they didn't think they were going to let you get it in so everybody started going into town to get beer well, guess what? Folks in town that were selling it in this town of like 3,000 people or whatever realizes that now people are wanting to buy beer from them and it's a commodity. They were getting like $100 a case. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were no, <laughs> there were no, uh, uh, what do you call that? Price rigging scams where they price gouging, that, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was going on in force. So, Anyway, so we're we're in there, we're listening, and, and the lineups were awesome. I mean, it was like I saw, I, we already talked about that. We saw I saw the Chili Peppers, 
I saw um, Metallica was there, Aerosmith was there, Green Day was there, um, who, oh, Jackal was there, that is awesome, Blues Traveler was there, Collective Soul, Candlebox, Violent Femmes, you know, and we just bounced around from stage to stage, but it, it was, it was sort of, it wasn't as out of control as the, the 99 one where everything got set on fire and stuff, but mm -hmm. like it was nothing to see. I'm going to guess there was probably 10% of the population that was stark naked the whole time for three, all three days. <laughs> like you just look around and there's just like a group of naked people standing there around talking. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, it, it was it was bad enough also that and this is no joke and this happened all three it didn't happen the first day but after the second day when they realized what was going on they had a guy on the loudspeaker who would get out there and go attention attention do not take the brown acid do not take the brown acid the red the green acid is fine the brown acid is no good, <laughs> you know, and they're just trying to, they know people are going to do it. They're trying yeah, to protect yeah. these people from ODN or getting poisoned or whatever the deal is with that. But they, I mean, it was just, it was ludicrous, but, um, th that was the first time. And I was always a Metallica fan always, but that was the first time that I realized that at least, it's hard to call it as a genre when there were that many people or that many different bands, but with all those people there, the end of, I think it was Saturday Night Show, it was Metallica and then Aerosmith to close out the show that night. And when Metallica came on, they played, I mean, that that was the hardest hour and a half I've ever seen anybody play. They, they didn't take any encores. They didn't take any breaks. They just played right through. And I mean, they killed it. And it was shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's, I don't know how many people were there, 200,000 people, whatever it was. We were shoulder to shoulder, 200,000 people. Mm -hmm. And they were killing it. Metallica goes off the stage and they announce Aerosmith and the crowd disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was the first time that I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I thought naively, I guess at the time that, that Aerosmith might've been the bigger draw, but that was not even remotely close to the truth. But, uh, yeah, it was a good time, you know, and when we finally, and here's the other thing. All right. So, so we, the, the show's over and lucky for us, we're, we're, you know, near our van and people are. You know, all that trouble they had getting from those remote lots. Well, guess what? Now everybody wants to leave at once. When when people got there, they trickled in over mm -hmm. a day or two, and it wasn't everybody at once trying to get to the venue. Well, now the thing is over, and everybody wants to leave at once. Oh, my gosh. We could have we made so much money. We had people offering us two or $300 a head just to take them to their vehicle to wherever it was at. You know, because, heck, we, we had a car right there yeah. you know, with a little pass and we were we were so tired and ready to leave we were like uh, we're just gonna hit the road <laughs> i mean we could have sat there and made ten thousand dollars in that afternoon if we wanted to it, i mean it was that crazy but anyway it, it was it was definitely an experience so festivals at, you know at that point in 94 you are 21 because your birthday's in the fall so you know a lot different being 
21 now i'm about to turn 48 this weekend you'll be 50 this year how many more festivals do you have in you do you have any more at all i hadn't been to a festival in many many years and i don't anticipate going to another one uh the only one i've ever been to i, I want to hit bonnaroo just because it's close it's driving distance from here and uh but i hit Lollapalooza in 2016 just just to see uh the chili peppers they were yeah. they headlined the saturday night <laughs> Uh, show the Saturday night, the main stage. And I got up in Red Bay, Alabama at 530 in the morning and drove to Chicago by myself, got there around, I don't know, maybe two, three o'clock and uh, put my wristband on, walked in, saw Marshmallow. These guys, I'd never really heard of them. They wore marshmallows on their head (laughs) to play (laughs) and, uh, you know, messed around, saw the sights, whatever. And then, uh, Went and saw, and you know what, Lollapalooza, I'll, I'll cover that in a second, uh, saw Jane's Addiction on the main stage, and so I knew the Chili Peppers were going to, so what it was, they had the main stage, and then behind it, off kind of catty corner behind it, easily, um, you know, it's at Grant Park at Chicago, easily 500 yards away. I mean, it was a long way, but you could see the stage, the stage is huge. You know, they had another stage behind the main stage, like I said, kind of facing it, caddy corner. And so as soon as a band would go off on the main stage, they could crank up the next band. That way they, you know, people could stay interested and not get into any trouble because they had something to watch. But it was obvious everybody was there to see the Chili Peppers. And I'm like, okay, you know, I had decent a decent standing area for the for Jane's addiction, I'm like, all right. When when Jane's addiction goes off, there's going to be some people that will kind of move around and uh, go to the other stage. And I'm going to move on up for the Chili Peppers because that's one thing you, I, I learned about going to festivals is you don't drink. Now I guess y'all did, but if you want to get close, you don't drink. You don't drink beer because once you leave, you lose your space. You'll never get back. Yeah. So um, so the, you know Perry Farrell and the Jane's addiction they go off. And I'm ready to make my move, and the crowd is ready to make their move as well. And I get jostled probably 20 yards straight ahead. I have no control over my own body. As the the most uncontrollable feeling I guess I've ever had, uh, where I've not been in a vehicle. You know, it was just amazing the power of a crowd. So, but anyway, back to 2016. You remember the Vegas shooter at um, that that festival they had out there? Yeah. He actually was casing. Lollapalooza that year really yes that was that was crazy or or maybe he had already cased it and that was one of his target locations but man that was that was kind of chilling when I found that out but it was a you know it's a a good time man I just I'm like you though if I go to another festival I'll be sitting on the periphery watching the watching the bands I have no desire to get up in the in amongst everybody well, you know, you mentioned that about going to the bathroom and drinking. I forgot about <laughs> I forgot about our technique there. <laughs> so uh, it, it was, you know, we, we, we set up strategically at least semi-close to the bathrooms uh, and, and as close to the stage as we wanted to get. Um, but it rained while we were there that weekend. All right. And so 
we didn't have any. We we, I, we were as bad as unprepared for that event as the people who were throwing the event. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we had no. Like I already mentioned we had no tent. We're just sleeping bags and you know and and, and coolers is all we cared about going. And uh, well, anyway, it rained. We didn't have anything uh, to even protect us from the rain until we discovered we we could come across some uh, some garbage bags, some plastic garbage bags. So we cut a hole out and cut some arms in them and we just drank <laughs> garbage bags over us so for the last day and a half two days we were just, we wore garbage bags that was what we were wearing well guess what they went down to your knees so when we <laughs> had to go to the bathroom we would just waddle over about 20 feet from where we camped and uh stand around like we were just checking out the venue and <laughs> I forgot all about that till you mentioned it. At your age, that was totally acceptable. But, dude, your uncles were in their 40s. I mean, come on. No, they weren't that old. They were in their early 30s. Okay, well, still, they were old enough to know better than to do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, enough about Lollapalooza and Woodstock and all these other festivals. Uh, Let's jump in a little bit of Alabama spring football. And then we'll hit March Madness. So spring football has started, and we, Alabama always has kind of a weird setup. And I guess Saban does it so he can keep the players. I think you get 13, 14, 15 practices, whatever, and one of the – your scrimmage does count as a practice, if I'm not mistaken. So he tries to drag it out as long as he can. So normally we we have one or two practices, whatever, before spring break. Then we go on break. Then we come back and, and finish out, you know, spring practice – and really all I've heard is well, the only disturbing part to me is Ja'Cory Brooks, who, you know, caught the touchdown, the tying touchdown to Auburn, and then caught a touchdown against Cincinnati and was kind of – he kind of stepped into that role that Mechie voided when he got hurt. And then, of course, he, he assumed the role of Jamison Williams when he got uh, thrown out at Auburn for the, the targeting call. Uh, he's out for spring. Now, I mean, he'll be back for the fall, but, dude, I really felt like he needed the, the spring because we don't have the receiver that, you know, last year Mechie was coming back, and Mechie was not Waddle. Mechie was not uh, Devontae Smith, but he was good. We we knew we could trust him, and I don't know that we have that guy this year. I thought Ja'Cory might could, could mold into that guy in the spring, but now he doesn't have the spring. We did get Jermaine Burton from Georgia, who is we're high on, and I think he'll he will step in. But man, can we can we pull another? Can Burton pull Jamison Williams part two? I don't know. I'm not I'm not getting my hopes up because you know Williams before his injury he was probably going to be the first receiver taken off the mm-hmm. off the board this year. Might still be, but I figure the the injury will put him down a little bit. But the transfers we got three big transfers as I mentioned. Uh, Burton, and then we had uh, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, the running back, and then Eli Ricks, the defensive back from LSU, and all three have been impressive early on, which is fantastic. But, man, it kind of sucks because we've recruited really, really well, and these four-star and five-star guys are sitting. Now all of a sudden we import some four- and five-star players, and they might be taking starting jobs. I I do trust that Saban will be able to – to navigate through that. But, you know, I mean, that kind of sucks that, uh, you know, it's like it, it, like on the intramural team back in uh, back in college, Tom, you know, if you had pulled in a six-foot-five post player, 
I'd have been a little irritated because, you know, I was a six-foot-one <laughs> post player, and it would be obvious who was going to start. <laughs> so, But uh, the only other thing that I saw on Twitter is Bryce Young playing pickup basketball, and Bryce, please, for the love of everything that's good, don't play pickup basketball. No that's doubt. all we need. That is all we need is a, a blown ACL on playing basketball that where we need you on the football field. But that's yeah, really all it. I have. Take it from me, I went and played basketball for the first time in probably uh, seven, eight years <laughs> this past Saturday with my buddy Oz. He invited me out. And, uh, see, Oz is, uh, I don't know how old Oz is. He's got a, I'm going to say he's mid-20s. He's just a recent grad. He's only like two years out of school, maybe even a year and a half, two years out of out of uh, university. So yeah. mid, mid-20s, and then he's got a, a bunch of buddies who are similar to him in age, I'm assuming. Uh, and so we we were playing golf last week, and he's like, yeah, we play basketball. So I was like, really? He's like, you want to play? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I, like, uh, I really need to. You know, I, I think you and I talked a week or so ago, and I told you or, that I was way overweight, the highest I've ever been in my life. So I was like, well, maybe I should do this. So I went and played sa- Saturday, and do it was not till this morning that I could walk around without my knees and my ankles hurting. <laughs> I didn't many, injure myself. I just, <laughs> you just you're I just like, old, dude. I'm how old. many um, like, how many shots did you block not jumping at all like you used to do hours? <laughs> I got four or five. <laughs> I got I got quick long arms. That's about all it amounts to. Tom is six yeah. two and the wingspan is six nine. <laughs> Oz, Oz listens to this podcast. He'll he'll know. I I blocked four or five shots, and then miss about fifteen layups. So yeah, I can't even begin to play, man. My you know everything hurts on me. It just it's it's pathetic. But hey, you know you mentioned the receivers a while ago, and I will. One thing I was thinking about that you started talking about Williams, and then of course that piggybacked off of uh, uh, Mechie and 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 really Devontae is where I was really headed with this. Devontae and Williams, okay. So those two guys, generational talent at the wide receiver position. It's hard to replicate that that kind of production, of course. But would you consider either one of those players just? outstanding ball catchers i would consider uh Devante, but yeah i mean and what i I mean by that is you know are they over there diving and 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 making one-handed grabs or going up into traffic and 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 making unbelievable catches i don't see that but you don't have to be that to be the generational talent you need to be quick you need to be a great route runner and you need to have raw speed both of those players had that. I mean, obviously, you have to at least catch the ball if it's thrown to you, you know. But yeah, but those yeah. guys could get open. That was yes. the key. They could get open, uh, and, and that makes a quarterback job life a lot easier, of course. But those two guys uh, are two of the best college receivers I've ever seen in my life of actually getting open. And Devontae was way better than even Williams was, and Williams was awesome. But uh, so I, you know, I don't, I don't know how Jermaine Bur- Jermaine Burton reminds me of more of a uh, uh, a he's he's a, he's a lot bigger than Devontae, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reminds me of a 
a more athletic Slade Bolden, like a much more athletic Slade Bolden. Although yeah. although Mark Jennings does expect Slade to to change the game in the NFL on the punt returns. <laughs> <laughs> It's hilarious. That was the but best not, tweet I think I wrote read all year. But you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up about getting open because I never played wide receiver. Of course, I don't think you did either. And I'm like, okay, what what does it mean to get like what what do you what does someone mean when they say, well, he can, well he can really get open? Because to me, a ten yard out is a ten yard out. Uh, you know, a five yard dig is a five yard dig. A post corner is a post corner, but when when Mechie was out and when Jamison Williams went out in the national title game and we had to play Ja'Cory Brooks, we had to play – I need to learn how to pronounce this guy's name. Is it Ajaye, A.J. Hall, number 84? You know, when yeah, we had to I play those backup wide receivers, they weren't getting open. So there is – there's definitely an art to getting open. Look at the best wide receiver in the NFL this year, Cooper Cup. Never heard of the guy. Played at Eastern Washington. And I highly doubt – I hate to be uh, – I hate to be – what word am I looking for? Uh, stereotypical. But I highly doubt the guy runs a 4-4, you know? Yeah, but he's the best – stereotypical. That's called racist. Well <laughs> – <laughs> No. But for no, those that I, don't know, it, Cooper Cup is white, okay? <laughs> and let's just be honest, that when you think of the best wide receiver in the NFL, you probably don't immediately think of a white guy – and he's the best receiver in the NFL. Now, that is a short-lived title most of the time because, you know, Julio was there just a couple of years ago. Then all of a sudden somebody overtakes him. You know, you had Antonio Brown before uh, uh, Julio. But so we'll see how long Cup can last as the top receiver. But the dude can get open. You know, there's an yeah, art the, to getting open. There, there is. The, in the wide receiver position, if you watch it, um, you said I didn't play wide receiver in high school, and you're correct, but it's not because I didn't ask my coach. He told me in no <laughs> uncertain terms I was too slow to play wide receiver. But <laughs> I remained as a tight end. The long snapper. <laughs> and a long snapper. But, you know, if you watch the nuances uh, of the wide receiver, if they run a 10-yard out, what, what absolutely happens is they end up faking a, 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 a streak or an in. You know, and and that those are the things. That's the quickness factor of it. You can be fast all day long, but if you don't have the nuanced hip motion to get that a uh, defender going the wrong way before you make your cut, that's what that's what Devonte did so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so well. If he was running, if he was running a, a an out, like I said, you look up there and you, his defender's leaning inside when he's out there on the sideline catching a ball. Uh, that's the kind of thing that they was just so so good at, but uh, yeah, and I don't, you know, it's it's teachable to an extent, but it's the the nuance and the quickness of the 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 hips and the ankles and legs and that sort of thing that that, that really brings that home. But something I'll never have. Well, I'm still hoping though, so I get back out on the basketball court. Yeah, exactly, so man. You're, you're always improving, you're bumping and grinding with the the young kids again. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if you remember Hall last year at spring at the spring game, a day game, he had two touchdowns, and then he was non-existent in in the season. You know, he played very little and was forced into duty due to injury, and he had a disappointing national title game. You know, he had some balls that a lot of people felt like could be caught, then and if they were caught, that one of them specifically would have gone for a touchdown, and he dropped it. So it's you know the the a day game is not. 
the be all end all for success coming going into the following season. But sometimes it is a it's a good it's a good starting point and a good barometer to see maybe where we're at. And I you know we've got some some young kids coming in in this freshman class that enrolled early. That is, uh, they're going to be interesting to see what they do. But, you know, I think Burton, uh, we, we kind of know what we'll have with Burton, and he, he should be uh, well above average. And Ja'Cory Brooks comes back healthy, maybe Hall is that third guy, and then we'll let everybody like Christian Leary. I mean, we got some top-notch four-star, five-star kids that they're going to have to make a tough decision after this year because do you stick around and try to crack the lineup or do you go elsewhere with the portal? It's very easy to just pack your stuff and leave. Don't blame them if they do. Hate it if they do. But, man, it, you know, you're really going to have to work. And that's what Gober and I were talking, you know, last night. It's, it's got to be very difficult for these kids because Bama recruits at the highest level. And these kids have never not played football, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the last time – like the, I, was, I used the Brocker Myers as an example. You know, the, the two brothers that are offensive linemen from Texas and then uh, J.C. Latham – from IMG Academy, they came in, you know, three offensive linemen, and we really expected one, if not two, to maybe earn starting positions. They didn't play last year. Mm-hmm. I think Latham played late and burned his red shirt, which is not a big deal. But, you know, the Brockermeyers, they're not used to not playing. And Hall and Christian Leary and I, that whole group, they're not used to not playing. So it is a bitter pill to swallow when you come to Alabama where, not you know, it's, you think of when you're a freshman in high school – and you're, play, you're going up against seniors. Well, that's what happens. You know, you're a freshman in college, and you're going up against seniors. Four, you know, kids three and four years older than you, and it's just it's, sometimes it's hard to crack the lineup. And hopefully they'll stick with it, and hopefully we'll have some kids step up this year because, like I have pointed to the, the recruiting class that I guess are going to be seniors now, Treshawn Holden and that group, that we just did not have a wide receiver step up as of yet, like we had with the, the, the three freshmen in 17, Waddle in 18, and Mechie in 19. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think that's one of the reasons that Saban never puts out a, 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 a starting lineup at spring. People, you know, his first few years here, people begged him for that. What, yeah. what do you think the starters are going to be going into fall? Hell, if you tell the people the starters in the spring, the second, third stringers want to leave before fall gets here. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we've got, right now we've got two starters for sure. We've got Bryce Young on offense and Will Anderson on defense. Yeah, those uh, those are pretty much locked <laughs> up. Yep. All right, let's jump into March Madness. Uh, and a- as I, I want to put this out there right now before we even start talking about it, the tournament starts Thursday, Tom. Granted, I just watched two 16 seeds battle it out in the what they call the first four. That is not the tournament, guys. That's a play-in game, Okay. Those, the, yep. One of those teams won, and now they're in the big tournament. One of those teams lost, and they're not in the tournament. They never were in the tournament. They were in a play-in game. So <laughs> I, I, I could get on that soapbox for hours on end. I hate the first four. They, I wish they would just go back to 64 teams. And if they want to keep the first four, why is, it not all, why, why is there not eight 16 seeds playing each other? I mean, why does an 11 seed like Bama? we got to wait on the Rutgers-Notre Dame winner to play – I mean, why? Like, how mad are you if you're Rutgers or Notre Dame? Because you're not in the tournament yet. You're in a playing game. Yeah. So, I, I well, think it, it should be. Is, it's really not fair to Alabama either because those 6-11 teams, those are the, – the opponent is a decent opponent where everybody else has two or three extra days of preparing for the first-round opponent. And we yeah. don't even know it is. 
No, true. You know, and that's not it's not yeah. as big of a deal if it's a 16 seed coming in there, but uh, 11s. I mean, who, who was it that went as a 12 seed or a 13 seed to the final four or, or elite eight uh, the other uh, a couple years ago? Well, the elite first eight, I, think. I think the first time they expanded to four teams, VCU played in the first four and made it to the final four. Now, I, that, that, with, that was, with Shaka yeah. Smart, I don't I know if they won. And uh, did they win and play for the finals? I don't remember. It seems like it was a couple of teams that, that are normally not in there, not like not blue bloods. But I know VCU made the final four. Yeah, but I don't, still, I don't think they made championship game. These games don't count, man. They they it's just an abomination in my opinion. So well, I'm glad I, to hear you that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that that my my complaints will be heard all the way to Indianapolis. So how far do you have the tide going? Very disappointing season. I say disappointing. It's not a disappointing season from the overall scheme of things. If you look at our, if you look at our record commensurate with the schedule that we played and solidly in the tournament, you feel good about the team. Now, the hype that we had going in and the way we started the season – and the teams that we beat early in the year, it's a disappointing finish. Um, nine and nine in the conference. Never thought we'd be nine and nine in the conference. No. What were we? Twelve and two, thirteen and two, or maybe thirteen and three going into the conference. We're sixteen last year. No, this year headed into the first conference game. Oh yeah, probably a couple of losses, three at the most, I would say. Yeah, so I mean, you've, you've, I felt like we we could be, you know, a a good, what would we uh, twelve and six something like that would have been reasonable, but uh, I mean, heck, we we sat there and lost to the worst teams in the SEC, absolute yeah. worst ones. <laughs> well, and you know, the the a couple of games really hurt at Mississippi State. We lost by two, and that was right early in the conference season. You know, it might have been, might have even been our first road game, first or second road game, and we lost to them. And their state is just not that good. That's a that's a game we we need to win. But at Georgia, Georgia had one conference win, and we were it. Like yep. if you just win, just forget I even talked about Mississippi State. If you win the Georgia game, you're ten and eight. And we lost to A and M. The going into the last weekend, you know, we played A and M on Wednesday. Well, who who knew at the time that we were playing the hottest team in the SEC? Well, we didn't know that. You know, A&M had gone through like a nine-game losing streak in the middle of the season, and we were frustrated we lost to them. But then what did they turn around? I don't know if they won their weekend game, but then they win. Uh, they, they make it all the way to the finals in, on, yep. uh, in the SEC tournament. So, obviously, we played a team that was peaking just at just the right time. And uh, so it turns out – not to be a horrible loss in hindsight. But and a travesty, they didn't get in. Oh, I agree. I mean, pathetic. You know, if what what was their conference record? Nine and nine. Same as ours. Yeah. 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 But our, our it what's funny about our break. A couple of things you asked where how how far I have Bama going. I just got us winning one game. I think we'll win against the Rutgers Notre Dame winner, and then I've got us losing to Texas Tech. But a couple of things about our bracket, our, our part of the bracket. We have beaten the number one seed and the number four seed in our bracket, and we've lost to number nine and number ten. So, I noticed that, you know, there were. I went through there and looked. We have played 13 tournament teams. That's a pretty mm-hmm. good number. Uh, some of those we played twice, being in the SEC, but we played 13 teams that are actually in the tournament. 
and we're in a bracket that we have four of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, in the Midwest, there are five in that bracket, but the other two brackets, there were just two teams. Each and if we were if we were to make it to the final four, the odds are we would either play the number one or number two seed. Already played them, you know. Uh, Baylor's below us in the the bottom bracket, and then Kentucky's number two seed. So there's a great chance, you know, one of those two teams would make it. And we'd have to go through Gonzaga in our bracket. Yeah, but for sure. That's, but that's that's I mean, the other part I wanted to say. Someone tweeted out said, "Okay, so Bama." plays the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame. Then we play, if we win, we're probably going to play Texas Tech. And Texas Tech will probably beat us. But if they don't beat us, odds are we're going to be playing Duke on Coach K's farewell tournament tour. And let's just say we beat Duke. Then we're probably going to play Gonzaga in a revenge game. So, (laughs) welcome to March Madness, Alabama. Stay as long as you can. Did you see Auburn's first-round opponent? Uh, yeah, I got it. Jackson State. Jacksonville Jackson State. State. Yeah, yeah. Do, did you realize that they did not win their conference tourney? I did not know that. So they were good enough to get in on their own merit, huh? They were not. <laughs> Funny story on that one. Oh, yeah, go right. ahead and tell it, though. I, I, know, so, I think I know what you're doing. So, so Jacksonville State wins the, the regular season championship in whatever conference they're in. Uh, but obviously that conference is not good enough on the merits of – just winning your conference to get an automatic bid or an at-large bid. So they, they still need to win the tournament. So they get knocked out, I think in the semis, uh, m- maybe even the quarters of their tournament and, and lose, which effectively eliminates them from March Madness. They've, they've got no shot. Well, there's a team that was new to their conference, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, Bellarmine is the way it's pronounced. They actually go through and win the tournament. They were not one of the two top teams. They played Jackson, I think, in the championship game. And Bellarmine ends up winning the tournament. Well, guess what? Bellarmine is new to the league and new to Division One in general, and they were ineligible for the tournament in their first year in the <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the league. And so, by de facto, it defaulted to the regular season champ, who was Jack State. <laughs> Congratulations, Jacksonville State. <laughs> Stay as long that. as you can. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So yeah, and you round, would think they would be a bigger dog than they are at Auburn, so they, there may be something to that. What's the point spread on that one? 15? 15. We played oh, Jack State this year, by the way. Did we really? I hope we beat Early them. in the year. I think we beat them 10 or 12, something like that. Yeah, okay. So, a couple of bullet points here we've got. Let's look at our first-round upset. Who do you have as your upset special round one? I have I have four, and, and I, I have oh. them in, in order. Uh, <laughs> my top-ranked upset special in round one is the Moccasins of Chattanooga. Who do they play? They're playing Illinois. That's a, a 13-4. Uh, do you want me to go through all four, man? You can do what you wish. I I, I put down one. I, I follow directions, Tom. You know, I mean, yeah, I didn't I know you weren't going to. I can't get into that. Yeah. Second one, South Dakota State over uh, Providence. Um, th- another 13 over four uh, seed. Then I have um, Colgate over Wisconsin, a 14 over three. And lastly, I have Vermont on upset watch versus arkansas That's yeah a, I, uh, 13 4 
I looked at that Vermont. I, that is a, a peculiar because I think the line is is relatively low on that. Yeah, I think the thirteen fours are the new twelve fives. Yeah, it could, they have it been could last be. few years, and I, I think that's the way we are again. Well, I didn't go with near big of big a discrepancy in seeds, but I, I went with eleven versus six. If I can find it here, uh, I, I've got Iowa Dane State, Alabama. No, <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a good one. I've got Iowa <laughs> State over LSU. LSU has fired their coach. They are they have been saddled with like eight level one and level two violations by the NCAA in the football and basketball programs. I just don't feel like they're going to be. I, th- I don't think their head's going to be in it. Will Wade is not going to be there for them. So I've, I've got that as my upset special. And, and they're in the Midwest, and Iowa is – or not? I mean, Iowa State, that's a, you know, it's corn country, and you think of Midwest, you think of Iowa, Iowa State. You don't think LSU. So I, that's my upset special. Uh, who do you have – how far do you have Bama going? I am losing to Texas Tech as well. Yeah. yeah we're now, not. I, got, I, did, I did put in a homer sheet that got them to the Elite Eight, but then I had them lose to Sunday Gonzaga. There's so, no you're one of those guys. Those. You're one of those guys that play multiple brackets. I remember Urban, you know, the uh, the AD – you know Andy, the AD at Hoover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be March Madness. It's 20 years ago, and we were living together, and, and it's March Madness, and we're watching the ticker one day after because we're both in education, and we get home after – our coaching duties or whatever, we're watching the the, the scroll, and I, he's like, ooh, it, you know, Villanova would upset. I had them. And uh, he'd be like, ooh, uh, Purdue would upset. I got them. And he named off about five or six. I'm like, dude, how did you pick all these upsets? He said, I did like six sheets. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a one-sheet guy, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss the uh, final fours here in just a minute. We'll, we'll do it right now. So final four, I have Texas Tech. I'm not a I'm not a believer in Gonzaga, man. I, I just really am not. And Duke has been very suspect away from Cameron Indoor, kind of like another <clears throat> team <clears throat> that we talk about some here, especially in <clears throat> football season. Uh, that they were very impressive at home, and then they get on the road or at neutral sites. They're just they're just an average team. Uh, if you know who I'm, you might know who I'm talking about, but yeah. I've got Texas Tech. I got Texas Tech coming out of the West, out of the East. I've got Kentucky. I just am not sold on Baylor. They, you know, I, here's the bottom line, Tom. I cannot trust a team that Alabama beat this year, and we beat Baylor and Gonzaga. I can't trust those teams. <laughs> so then, out of the out of the South, and here I've just, uh, I think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I think we, be, I think we beat this team here. Out of the um, out of the south, Houston didn't we beat them? We did. Oh, we, you can, well, you can trust Houston. Well, here's the reason you can trust Houston, Tom. Here's the reason because I've got Houston facing off against Tennessee. We beat both of them, so somebody's got to win. <laughs> and then in the Midwest, I've got uh, Kansas. So out of my final four, Texas Tech, Kentucky, and then Houston and Kansas. Yeah, it would surprise me. If we got three out of four one seeds in this year, um, I know that's that's not usually how I pick them, but I couldn't I couldn't run a sheet in all three of my sheets. I think I had Kansas in the final four in all three of them. I couldn't I couldn't find anybody else in that bracket worthy of getting to the final four. Sovereign, sorry you Auburn fans. Um, I toggle between Houston, Tennessee, and Arizona in the South, just like you did. Well, you didn't mention Arizona, but I toggle between Houston, Tennessee, and Arizona, and uh, I end up think going with Arizona 
out of that one. But I did have Gonzaga, and I do like Baylor. I don't like Kentucky in that East bracket. I think they've been as inconsistent as Alabama has at times. And uh, Now, we'll say this. They are a tournament team. They are traditionally a tournament team. They can they can play poorly. You know, last 10 games of the season, when tournament gets there, they, they usually turn it up a notch. But, of course, we didn't see that in the SEC tournament, so who knows. But uh, I, I, I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in there, but I think Gonzaga's good. I like Baylor because they play defense. You know, they're they're one of the few teams that, that continue to play defense and they can score. So uh, those are those are those are my final four teams. Basically all one seeds unless Tennessee or Houston gets there out of the south. So who you got Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and who else? Kansas? Yes, Kansas. Wow. <laughs> you went all number ones. <laughs> Why are you laughing about that? I just told you that four times. I thought you said you thought about it. No, I didn't I, know you were going to pull a trip Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how infrequently all number ones get there? It hardly ever happens. Yeah, they, happens it's happened one time. Remember. Yeah. Well, so, good this luck. Is, this is actually a long shot pick, pal. <laughs> <laughs> National champion, who you got? Uh, I like Kansas. Yeah. I've got them playing in the final game against Kentucky, and I've got Kentucky beating them. They beat them at Fog Allen uh, Fieldhouse earlier in the year, and I've got them beating them again. I'm, I just, I'm a believer that Kentucky is going to really turn it on. We'll see. Uh, kind of, I'm kind of a AB, I'm kind of ABA, if you will, in the tournament. Anybody but Auburn. Roger that. Yep. <laughs> hey, before we get this thing wrapped up, let's uh, let's have a shout out to our our uh, our intro guy Garrett McMillan. I went and saw him play in his opening game, and he he did he gave up a couple of weird runs in that game that were not entirely his fault. But he pitched well. He uh, he only gave up like maybe four five hits in about six uh, six innings of work, I think. And then after that game, he went to the number one team in the country, Texas, and threw six scoreless innings, come back and threw seven more scoreless innings the following game. And then this past Friday, he threw seven more innings and gave up one run. He's killing it. He's I mean, he really it. is. You know, he's our Friday night starter in conference play, and that's, that's usually – I, I think that's your ace. Am I wrong? I think you try to get that first win, don't you? No, I think that's him. That's yeah. him. So, congrats, Garrett. Keep it up, bud. Work hard. I'll tell you I what, Garrett. It. Tell you what, Garrett. You go. You get a winning record in conference play on Friday nights, You're we're going to double what we paid you. You'll have two pizza cards instead of just one. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love Softball started started out a disappointing one and two at LSU. We opened conference play this past weekend. L, I don't keep up with softball enough to know. I'm sure LSU is good. They normally are, but so I'm, I'm not going to panic. Um, you I know, kept but, up with it. Boy, I was disappointed, man. They have been killing folks. Yeah, killing. they have. But I think going, I think going one and two at LSU is much different than going one and two at at Starkville or at. Vanderbilt, they don't even have softball, I don't think. You know, at Missouri, I mean, you know, you're going to struggle to win at LSU, at Alabama, at uh, Tennessee is normally good. So, you know, let's don't hit the panic button yet. But, yeah, we definitely need to get on top 
this weekend, two and one, three and oh, something like that, and I think we'll be okay. So that kind of wraps us up, I guess. It was uh, good to be back on the air. I will get this and put out. I will do my job in logistics this time, and maybe we'll get some listeners. And, uh, hey, you know, you could always tweet at us, at Targeting Not, if you'd like to share your your uh, stories about uh, a music festival. We'd love to hear. Everybody's got a good story from the music <laughs> festival. So... So I guess we'll close it out. Uh, Mama plays Friday. I don't even know what Auburn plays, but Tom, I want to let you know, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, guys. Take it easy. Have you seen Junior's grades?